Welcome back to Crypto Talk, the podcast all about cryptocurrencies. And this week we're talking about the newest coin on the market, the Cage Coin. Cage this coin. is going to pass everything. It's going to pass butt cash. It's going to pass uh, Elon's foot. It's going to pass everything. Uh, what's another cryptocurrency? Dogecoin. Doge. It's going to pass Dogecoin. Cage Coin to the moon. Uh, just kidding. This is Ben and Brand see a movie. This is B-roll. B-roll. When's the last time we did a B-roll? Uh, literally less than a month ago for Father's Day. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, you're right. It's a monthly segment. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like it's been a long time. No, no it's, it's, it's been a really long time. Uh, Ben, what are we doing today? And yeah. can you can you also kind of explain why why we're having a B-roll come out normally when a regular episode would come out? Yeah, well, I'm going to be on vacation for a little bit of time, and we're doing uh, Rage Cage right now, which is two Nicholas Cage movies a week. Branson was on uh, vacation this weekend, and I'll be on vacation the next week and a half or so. Uh and so that really meant we had one day to do two movies. At, and at that point, we just kind of realized that was just not plausible to do. Right. So we realized we wouldn't be able to do an episode. Yeah, and also Friday. and also at this point, we've watched four Nick Cage movies in the span of two weeks. Yeah, so we, that was putting us at six, and it really gave us, honestly, we recorded last Thursday, I think, which means we really would have had, like, three days to, like, watch another two, which is just really hard on us when we both have work and jobs. Yes, so, and because it's just so much... I it's so the much human craziness. mind the, yeah the human mind can only handle so much cage before like closing in on itself like a dying star yeah so we were talking about it and we're like well we want to make sure something gets released and we want to make Friday. sure that it's cage related yeah and we want to make sure it was cage related but we didn't just want to throw in a random cage movie that we had both seen and just like didn't do the proper work I mean we could have obviously done something like National Treasures mm-hmm. maybe Sorcerer's Apprentice something that you and I Ooh, had both mm-hmm. seen yeah but it was just like we weren't going to give it the proper thought because it really just would have been filler for us and we would have just been talking to talk yeah so we wanted to come up with something and new. you know as two guys that have a podcast we really don't like to hear ourselves talk yeah, of course I mean, it's <laughs> egotistical in nature but so either way we're like all right how do we like deal with this so we decided let's just make it a b-roll let's do it a little bit longer and let's just have this be our episode and it's all going to be related to cage not exactly related to cage as some of our other weeks have been but encompassing who this man and personality is right and what makes his acting style this so is, special yeah this is sort of like uh this is like an espn 30 for 30 in the midst of like a really intense season of football or baseball or something like that it's yeah that's like, not what you regularly tune in for but it's still pretty interesting if you give us the time so please just give us the time we'll yeah. try to make it interesting so what we're talking about is we're going to be talking about movies that would be better if we replace the main or if we replaced an actor with Nicolas Cage in it. Yes. And we're going to be doing the same format we did for uh, top 10 best movie dads. Mm-hmm. We, Rance and I actually quite enjoyed using that formula. Yeah. And we know it's a little cliche to do a top 10 list for movies. Yeah. Watch Mojo. There's a podcast <laughs> that does a top 10, which was check them out, guys. They're great. If you haven't, but just like watch Mojo is a great channel to binge. If you're like, oh, Watch Mojo. Haven't watched that in a while, and yeah, then a week like, later, you never watch a full Watch Mojo video. Yeah, you just you like skip through just to kind of see their answers, and then you go in the comments to see what they missed. Yeah, I oh, invariably every time, every time in every uh, video that they put out, there's at least like one or two things yeah. that they, they didn't do it to mention. piss people off. They do it to like have people probably comment in so to increase hey, if their it algorithm. helps the yeah if it helps the engagement uh you know it's like all pu- no hate towards them yeah. i'm just saying that's how they do it clearly yeah all it publicity is good publicity but yeah so that's what we're gonna do we're doing our top 10 list this isn't what b-roll is gonna be we're gonna be changing it up a bit obviously next week or next month we're gonna be doing uh cage off is probably really gonna be our b-roll for that month mm-hmm. which it's not gonna be quite a b-roll because uh, yeah, it's going to be something more, but it's going to probably take the place of that month's B-roll. Yeah. But regardless, like I said, this isn't how we're doing it, but we just thought this would be a great way to kind of talk about Nicolas Cage's war and just talk about films that we don't always get to talk about. There's probably – I have 10 films on my list, and I would be shocked if we ever talk about seven of them on the show ever. Just yeah. Period. Yeah, there's quite a few that I don't think we would talk about on my list unless we were like we were doing throwing darts. Yeah, at we were the doing wall. a joke or we do we're doing something very specific right. like we're doing for Cage yeah. off. Like or, this isn't something we're like 
oh, let's week, let's this week, let's watch this. Yeah, it's like we're watching it for a very specific reason mm-hmm. or a very specific actor or director's career. Right, or we just want to make fun of it. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is very much fun, and we have some bad movies. You know in what's the funny works. is I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on my list at least for my list. I don't have bad movies on here. I actually have some that I would probably consider good to great. Okay. But I am just replacing Nick Cage for certain reasons in those movies. Okay. You yeah. might have more, a little bit more bad. We yeah, didn't... I, I have like one or two yeah. traditionally bad movies. Yeah. You and I didn't go like the route of like, let's establish what the rules are, what types of movies. Yeah. We just, this was the premise and you and I decided how to interpret it, how we wanted to interpret mm-hmm. it at this point. Um, also, before we get into our lists proper, this will be the last thing I think before yeah. we just just jump into it. Um, there is a show that I just discovered is on Netflix, and I told you about this. Yes, ben. you did. It is a show about the history of curse words on Netflix, and guess who hosts it? Our boy of the month, Nicholas Cage, and he's got it was a majestic. A pleasure to host it. <laughs> He's got a magnificent beard in it. I haven't, I, I've only seen the trailer, but I really want to watch it. But it'll have to be when my wife's asleep because Nick Cage kind of creeps her out, I yeah. guess. Which makes me a little sad, but I can't fault her too much for it. She likes National Treasure, so we know it to be true. Yeah, I. how can you not? Exactly. All right. But with that said, I guess let's get into our list. We did it last time where it was about three three and then two two and then one a piece or whatever we'll figure it out mm-hmm. as we go but that's kind of going to be it so do you want to start with your bottom three or do you want me to start with our um three? sure i my my list is isn't really in any particular order okay mine's um, i tried to rank it okay uh how about you start with your with your bottom ones and then work your way up and then i'll just kind of share in between and if we happen to have any similarities okay then i'll start with my bottom three right now so my number 10 is Baby Driver, and I replace Kevin Spacey's character in Baby Driver with Nicolas Cage. Yes. I. Okay, this is I, one of the ones we talked about. Yes, this, we did we talk did, about we this We didn't one. talk about all of them, but we did specifically talk about this choice. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think the reason for the, for wanting to replace Kevin Spacey with Nick Cage is fairly obvious. Yeah, obviously. There's, there's one really big reason. Yeah, there's... With Kevin Spacey's history... Yes. And crimes and who he is now as a person and the weird death videos he's putting up on YouTube where he's threatening people. I have not seen that. That's a new wrinkle in this. Yeah, you don't want to see them. He's basically, it sounds like he's planning to commit murder. Oh. And he's doing it in his house of cards. It's a really weird thing. There's this whole conspiracy thing where... The, uh, he does it on Christmas every year, and every the next day, the people who have accused him have just mysteriously died. That's, like, completely <laughs> true. What? It's so bizarre. We'll have to talk about that later, but I don't want to talk about it later in case Kevin Spacey uh, is listening. Yeah, we're on the list. Yeah, in it's case we're him on the list. It's him in Scientology. Yeah, so I really don't want to talk any more about it before I end up in a river. But <laughs> here's the thing. When I originally put Baby Driver on the list... I originally replaced Nicolas Cage with Jamie Foxx's character. Mm-hmm. Not because I think Jamie Foxx is bad in this movie by any stretch of the imagination. I would not say that at all. I think Jamie Foxx is quite good in Baby mm-hmm. Driver. What I would like in Baby Driver, though, is I like seeing Nicolas Cage play those over-the-top villains. Right. And I think that character that Jamie Foxx played is played actually fairly grounded. Not mm-hmm. like completely grounded. In as that grounded movie, as grounded as a criminal could be. Yeah, in that movie, he's the most lunatic of them all, but he's still really grounded. I'd be curious to see what Nick Cage could do with that. However, when you watch that movie again, there's one person who stands out now due to everything, and it's Kevin Spacey. And right. it's just like, especially I, when he says lines such as "I was blinded by the balls on that kid." Yeah, which. I, There's a lot of lines where it's yeah. like this whole creepy protection thing he has a baby, but it also sounds like he might have like abducted him when he was a kid, or like there's this whole weird relationship yeah. between them. Edgar that, Edgar Wright, in a strange way, kind of predicted yeah. a little bit. But so he's the reason I replaced Nicolas Cage with that. It's not again necessarily a role that I think Nicolas Cage would amazingly get to chew the scenery as quite like he would with I think his name Spider. Mm-hmm. in uh, Jamie Foxx's character. But it's a role that I think he'd be well-suited for. He has that kind of uh, fun, quippy dialogue to him. I think mm-hmm. it'd be cool to see him work with Edgar Wright. And Baby Driver is a good movie, and I think 
it's watching that movie. It's the one thing you now really do notice is Kevin Spacey in it, just because you, it's hard to erase who he is as a person. Yeah, now. it's hard to separate yeah. the quality of the film yeah. with the the man behind it. Because I really liked Kevin Spacey. Oh, when he all was this my, came maybe out. one of my favorite actors of all time before right. the allegations came out. And all uh, this stuff came out, and then about him, and yeah. now it's just like, so like I said, that's probably why I'd replace. Him specifically, not necessarily a role that Nicolas Cage, I would say, would be the top in mm-hmm. it. And that's why it's the bottom of my list. But just one where I'm like, all right, at least it makes Baby Driver a movie that I find enjoyable, easier to like watch and like yeah, not cringe as much as when those scenes Yeah, come exactly. I think um, with with replacing Kevin Spacey, Nick Cage, they can replace some of that quippy dialogue, but um, it's just a different delivery. Uh, I feel like Kevin Spacey's performance is a lot more reserved. Yeah. Um, and like calculating, but with, I mean, we've seen Nick Cage and face off just being able to be so like blatant about his intentions. Um, and I think that would be just a neat way to see like, how how does this actor interpret the lines differently than this other yeah. actor? You had Baby Driver on your list too, correct? Yes, for also for Kevin Spacey. Oh, you did have it for Kevin Spacey? Yes. Okay. Then number, number nine. nine. Number nine. Number nine, I have 300 Rise of an Empire, which is the sequel to uh, 300. And <laughs> the person I am replacing him with is... Sullivan Stapleton, who played Themistoles? Themistoles. He's the main character in 300 Rise of an Empire. I can't, I cannot, I will let you explain this, but I, for the life of me, I cannot imagine Nick Cage as a buff, yeah, as a buff, super built, super loud, and spear-toting, yeah, a Spartan. So, let me explain why he makes this list. Please do. 300, the first movie, is not a film that I have any real particular love for. I think it's an okay film that's very well directed by Zack Snyder. Yes. And it is a beautiful film to look at. It's very, at, it's very yellow and brown, yes, isn't it? Yes, but doesn't quite have the substance of a great movie. But again, I, I'm a fan of Snyder, so I do appreciate things in that movie. 300 Rise of an Empire is not directed by Snyder. It's directed by a name named Noam Moreau. And what I do not like about this movie at all is it's over-the-top, campy, crazy, like, like way over-the-top. And the problem is this guy Sullivan don't know him much as an actor, but he doesn't really stand out in any way. Right, he doesn't match the energy. He doesn't match that energy, exactly. So so I haven't seen the sequel to 300. You don't uh, need to. And you really don't need to. <laughs> can, can you kind of... What's an example of, what, of like, what are these crazy over-the-top scenes There's just like... Film? These huge mythological beasts that they fight. Oh. There's these, like, it really takes the scale grandeur uh, and makes it just greater in every way. Mm-hmm. There's these weird sea battles that last a lot of the film. There's a lot more fighting, a lot more stylized blood. Apologies, my nose is a little runny. <laughs> uh, so I sound a little stuffed up. There's this weird dynamic your, between... Your sick cage. Yeah. There's this <laughs> weird dynamic between Sarah Sullivan's character and uh, Eva Green's character, where it's this will they, won't they, but they're also sworn enemies and they also hate each other. Uh, and it leads in this really weird uh, sex scene that's basically rape, but also like completely oh. consensual. Uh, like they're both oh. doing it to each other. Oh. It's a really weird scene. And here's the reason I replaced Nick Cage in that's, this movie. That's, like, wrong on multiple it's levels. It's so weird. It's so, like, uncomfortable. I think in every conceivable way, just you describing the idea of that to me is... Yeah, it's is not consensual, re- cons- consensual sex, which doesn't even... It's completely illogical. It but sounds, it's, like, what happens in this movie. It sounds like it misses the mark... On every level. Amazingly on every level that it possibly could. Yes, it's really not particularly special what why i replaced nick cage in it and i know you were talking like i can't see him as these big buff spartan guys mm-hmm. blah 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 i replaced him in it because at least he matches the energy and he gets that tone a little bit more right there that's so fair. while the movie isn't probably really better with him at least it's more fun with him 
because this movie okay. has this like campy thing where it's like if you got like a little bit more tone of fun it might work a little bit better yeah but, okay so that's my choice for 300 yeah i think um i think if you are to replace any role with nick cage um and especially in a movie that's already i conventionally bad i guess uh and especially a movie like that if it's as bad as you say then i think this rings true with someone like nick cage who can so easily be that loud kind of over the top Present. and sometimes yeah and sometimes to great success and sometimes to just devastating failure um it would definitely like if you're gonna crash and burn as a movie like crash make it yeah make it spectacular don't that's be like middle of the road like 43 percent go the for the with, full like two percent that's the thing with 300 it's not necessarily a bad movie it's just a really conventionally boring movie right like there's nothing really special about it that's and at least with adding nick cage i don't think it makes it a better movie but it definitely makes it a way more special t- type of crazy yeah i there's a there's a a youtube uh personality his name's yellow apocalypse and uh he's he's got very good um content you should go check him out yeah uh, and he's done this thing before where he'll do 10 word or less reviews on every movie from DreamWorks or every movie from the Disney Renaissance or every Pixar movie. And the scale that he uses to rate things is not just a 1 to 10 scale. It's a 10 to 10 scale where it's negative 10 and positive 10. Yeah. Where a, a positive 10 is like penultimate like this is one of the greatest movies i've ever seen that would be like a spirited away uh by uh miyazaki or you know a um uh a godfather yeah shawshank redemption i was thinking i kept thinking schindler's list but i was like that's not the name that i'm looking for and then like a negative 10 would be like the room yeah you know where where it's so bad that it kind of loops back around to being entertaining and then zero is like it's it's such a nothing movie it yeah. made you feel nothing it was just an agonizing mm-hmm. you could there's no ironic enjoyment that you can get out of it yeah so my number eight kind of actually going off what you just talked about uh-huh. where it's like swing for the fences if you're going to swing to the fences and I'm changing it. My number eight is a movie called Welcome to Marwin that starred Steve Carell. Oh, yes. It's that movie where he is, I want to say he is a Vietnam yes. soldier who gets injured uh, in the war. And, and basically he suffers paralyzed. from, yeah, and he suffers from PTSD. And suffers right? from yeah. PTSD. So he makes this world of basically like a diorama. dioramas of himself and he's living out these adventures. And I didn't see the movie because I heard at times it is horribly offensive. It is weirdly uh, incompetent for having a director like Robert Zemeckis behind it. It is frustrating to watch. It is really creepy at times because I guess there's some like mannequin like love. Oh. Like there's some like it's like. Mannequin love sounds like a Daft Punk album. Yeah. And it's like. The idea of the movie wasn't to make it creepy. It was kind of more to tell this guy's story. Right. Which I guess the documentary does it way better where it shows like how he's using it as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it just feels a little bit more unhinged. Hmm. So if you're going to have a movie that feels unhinged and like that's already <laughs> apparently what the movie is. Right. Let's not take Steve Carell, who is one of my favorite actors and mm-hmm. like just one of my favorite celebrities and just seems like a genuine nice guy. Mm-hmm. Let's I put agree. in something that makes it, again, even more unique. Because Welcome to Marwin is this really unique presence or premise. Yes. That on paper, I don't know if it ever could have worked on film. And probably with adding Nicolas Cage, again, it doesn't work on film. But it now makes it, I think, like, must-see entertainment. Right. Like, there's something so different when you replace Steve Carell with Nick Cage and have him, like, having sex with mannequin puppets. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, spectacularly off kilter yeah it's so like bizarre that you could only really think that a nick cage could play 
So I replace Steve Carell in that movie just for that sole reason. Again, I don't think it makes it a better movie. I just think it gives it something grander. Nice. Okay, I like that. I like that idea. Uh, shall I share some of mine here? Yes. Do your. I've, I've got a three. yeah. Right. I've got a slightly shorter list that's not in any particular okay. order. So I'll I'll share some. Um, I've I've got a couple bad movies, so I'll just start off with one. Uh, the Ridiculous Six. Okay, with Adam Sandler. Yes, okay. I would. I my first choice was to replace Adam Sandler, but the more I think about it the more I would replace any character minus Terry Crews with him because I absolutely love Terry Crews. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and I think he, if I recall correctly, he's one of the funnier performances in that film. I've never Taylor, seen that. Taylor Lautner is fairly funny just is because he he's... Is really? Yeah, because he's so... He plays such a not Taylor Lautner-like character. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have his shirt off. He's this bumbling hick idiot uh-huh. with, you know, like, the... Uh, the overalls that have a strap missing. Yeah. That sort of character. Um, and you know, I, that movie is offensive. It is not, there, nothing is sacred in it. Uh, it's Adam Sandler, who is such a polarizing character. We've talked about him before. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think that just having a crazy presence, like Adam Sandler can be crazy, but Nick Cage, there's just... There's just lunacy. There's there. yeah. There's something. It it almost feels not. It almost feels unseparatable from you know the would, man. You know what it'd feel like if you replaced Nick Cage with like Adam Sandler in that, or Adam Sandler with Nick Cage in that movie. What? All of a sudden, it be, doesn't become a bad comedy. It almost becomes like this weird art house experiment where yeah. Nick Cage is like doing something just way out there. Where this, it's like okay, you know Nick or you know Adam Sandler's making a bad comedy. Mm-hmm. With Nick Cage, all of a sudden, it's like, what is Nick Cage going for in this movie? Does he think this is funny? Is he going for dramatic in this? All of a sudden, it just makes this movie more complicated. Yeah. Which, again, we're some of these movies we say better. We're not necessarily. We don't necessarily mean better. We just mean more interesting. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, these subpar movies, you have a reason to watch them. Right. That's kind of the thing with Nick Cage. Nick Cage is an actor, even if his movies are terrible. There's always some reason, like, you kind of think, should I watch this? Because something new and interesting is going to be in this film that you've never quite seen in another film ever. Right, exactly. Adam Sandler, you know what he gives you. And there are times, I, I've said it, I like Adam Sandler quite a bit as an actor when he, like, tries. Mm-hmm. In this one, he doesn't. It's completely just him joking right. around. It's him Nick, getting a paycheck. Yeah, Nick Cage wouldn't do that. Right, because we all know that sometimes Nick, Cage takes roles a little too seriously, yeah. uh, but he always puts in a thousand his percent. yeah his darndest effort. So that's a good choice. So I like Ridiculous right. Six. And, then, and I'll say I have an Adam Sandler movie on my list too. Oh, all right. Um, I'll, I'll share one more and then you can... I just added another one okay. to my list. Um, another one that I had is The Happening. And I, I would really repl- thought about it. Would you replace him with The Lawnmower? What? <laughs> what? The lawnmowers are killing people. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. It's just, uh, all his only line is "haw." It's just no. him mowing grass. <laughs> no, I'm assuming you replace him. Yes, with Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. Um, what? No. Yeah. What? See, that's why I couldn't. That's no, why I wait, couldn't put it not. on the list because it's, Mark Wahlberg is so interestingly bad in that movie. Like the lines where it's just like, "What? No. How yeah. could I?" No, 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 man, we're not. We're not. And like, he gets like all these, that stuff. Like, he always I can't has... replace Mark Wahlberg for that. Like, <laughs> I need that. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I, I'm not saying that it would be a better movie or it would be a worse movie. I would just be very curious to see uh, how how Nick Cage would fill the role that Mark Wahlberg had and deliver some of those lines that are what? not exactly how a human would respond. <laughs> or, that's, that's the interesting thing about Wahlberg in that movie. You're like, has he ever heard a human talk? Right. It's he's so off his game because normally I really enjoy I, Mark Wahlberg. I'm quite a big, another guy who I'm like quite mm-hmm. a big fan of. Can I make a suggestion for the happening that yes. I think makes the film better? Sure. Zoe Deschanel is another just lovely person and mm. actress, mm-hmm. and uh, I, it's kind of a pity she's in that movie because she doesn't quite get to have the fun that uh, 
Mark Wahlberg gets the poke in his career now with the happening. <laughs> yeah. you know, Mark Wahlberg's kind of so iconic in that movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone just kind of forgets Zoe Deschanel's in that movie. Yeah, I did. I didn't even register that. Replace Zoe Deschanel <laughs> with Nick Cage, Cage. but okay. don't address it any other way. Like it's they're not like <laughs> he's just, it's, it's the not same like they're character. gay or anything or like that's explicitly said. I mean, they they are obviously in this uh, picture, but it's never like none of the lines are changed. Oh my just goodness! Just simply replace. Zoe Deschanel with Nick Cage, and all of a sudden you get to keep the Wahlbergisms, but now add this other interesting element. Oh my so, goodness, that's that's almost like a pairing like John Travolta and Nick Cage yeah, in so Face Off. It's something, right? It's not good, but it's something. It's yeah. M it's, Night Shyamalan at like the least of his powers, Mark Wahlberg and Nicolas Cage. It's it becomes something. Yeah, I, that's a that is a, a witch's brew that. I, I, part of, I'm so morbidly, I'm morbidly curious to see some alternate, when I die and go to heaven, I want to see the alternate dimension where that was the case. Just, just to see what that results in. That is, that's a brilliant thought. Okay. (laughs) My my next pick. Yes. My number seven pick. Do I want to change? No, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to go The Purge. The Purge, The all right. first Purge movie specifically that comes out in, I want to say, mm-hmm. 24... No, 2013. Mm-hmm. The reason I am picking The Purge is because... I could not tell... I If you showed me a scene from The Purge, I could not tell you which Purge So I'll kind of explain uh, the premise of The Purge for those who don't know it. Yes. Every day, once a year... Sorry, once a year for 24 hours... All crime, all is, crime legal. is legalized. For the... For those 24 hours. Or maybe it's the night. Maybe it's 12 hours. Something like that. But for that day, crime is legal. You can get away with anything and everything. So it puts the people out there. Ripping who, the tags off all the mattresses. Yeah. And I'm signing up for Club Penguin and DisneyChannel.com yeah, without and getting my parents' and permission. You're cursing. And I'm cur- you're I'm saying, saying damn. frick. Yeah, you're saying damn and Club Penguin, <laughs> but without getting banned. But so what the purge is, is you have this premise and you have... Uh, basically you have the people who want to go out, destroy, cause chaos. They get to kind of unleash that. And then the rest of the year society is actually fairly normal. Mm -hmm. So it's reduced crime significantly because everyone just acts on these, uh, tribalistic, uh, barbist, uh, barbaric instincts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Barbituate instincts would also kind of work. (laughs) For these, for this allotted time. The premise of the purge again in this first specific one, is it's Ethan Hawke and his family. They don't participate, so they lock themselves in the house. They have this whole security thing, mm-hmm. and their security basically fails. And Wow, the uh, one night that you need it. Yeah, the one night that you really need it. It just kind of fails on them. And this villain in this mask, who I don't even pretend to know the name <laughs> of, he comes in and it's basically just becomes a standard house invasion film. And it yeah. doesn't use the premise well. Because right. I think the Purge horror film is actually a great horror premise. It's a it's a really good premise. Like that's a really cool premise. And, I think and later, then they just kind of trap it in. And I this, think later films did it a little better. I've yes, I want to see Purge Anarchy because I've heard it's on the streets, and that's where I think the film should be. Right, the right. If you're gonna see like all crime legalized, you should be in the yeah. chaos, not isolated in this one house. Yes, this exactly. almost feels like a TV show or like a mini series. Not yeah. a miniseries, but something 30 minutes that you explore in right. this universe, not the movie. Right. And not it's the a, movie to kick it off. It's, it's a microcosm of a situation that should be the entire thing. We you know what it po- feels focus like? on one. Pur- the first Purge movie feels like what 10 Cloverfield Lane does, where the first Cloverfield movie is, you know, the alien coming down. Right. And causing the chaos. And you're in the city, you're in those big cities. And then the second one's just follows John Goodman's character with these mm-hmm. two other peoples, and it's a much more isolated story. Right. Purge does it the exact opposite way, and it's a terrible way to kick off a franchise. Yeah. Because you have this great premise, but then you completely isolate this great premise and put it in a house. So you don't get to see the premise at all lived right. out. You just also, at that point, you're at a standard invasion film. And also, it's such a contrived plot. Yes. Where it's like, yeah, of course it fit. At that point, if my Purge security system failed on the one night where it was necessary, I'd be like, all right, where are the cameras... Like this is this is stupid. Yeah. I just go out into the street at that point. Like, I if this security system fails the one night I need it, just shoot me right now. Yeah. I don't care. Here's the thing that in my head when I'm describing 
adding Nicolas Cage. In the, oh, yeah, we were talking about Nicolas Cage yeah, being Nicolas in this movie. <laughs> Here's the thing. I When I was understanding uh, this premise that you and I put forth, mm-hmm. I can't change anything except the fact that Nick Cage is now in the movie and replaces somebody. So I can't change the story. I can't change yeah. the other characters, anything like that. It is simply, it is the exact same thing, but Nick Cage is now doing the performance. So I replace him with the guy who's in the mask hunting down the family. Ooh. Solely because... If you're going to take this premise and make it basically lame, at least give me like a good horror film where Nick Cage is like chasing down and trying to kill this family. Yeah, properly the, crazy. Yeah, at that level, at least you get some of the craziness of what's the film premise is supposed to be, even if it's still not how it should be. Mm-hmm. And so I think Nick Cage at least makes that movie, it matches the craziness of what this premise should be. Yeah. So that's why he's my number. Uh, that's why the purge is my number seven, and I'm gonna do my number six right now. I said 2013's The Lone Ranger, and I replace Army Hammer with Nick Cage. So you mentioned you mentioned that Cage. one as well before we started, and that was an interesting one because I saw that movie in theaters. Could not tell you a single thing that happened in it. Neither could I. I own the film too. I <laughs> own it on DVD somewhere, and I've seen it once. And I got it for Christmas, and I really wanted to see it. And it was just kind of whatever. Yeah. I remember some scenes. I remember there's a train sequence fight at the end that I kind of remember. There is being a train. Kind of cool. Here's a few reasons. One, Army Hammer has been in the news recently in this past few months. Oh, dear. Uh, for some spousal abuse stuff, it sounds like. Domestic abuse. A uh, little bit of cannibalism in there. Uh, yeah, not like, maybe not the traditional cannibalism, but it sounds like he likes. Oh, God, I don't want to misquote it, so please look it up, guys, if you're going to like take my word on the Army Hammer situation. But I'm going to try to remember it as best as I can. It is, he likes drinking the blood of his like ex, or he would like bite her to like make her bleed, and he'd like lick it up or something like that. It's really creepy, and oh it's really my. disturbing. And it's really put a damper on Army Hammer's <laughs> career. On a guy that has a really interesting career, because I don't think... He's been in a lot of movies since 2010, and I can't tell you most of the movies he's been in yeah. <laughs> since then. I, I just know the name. I yeah, don't think I, I could name one. I can't pull a lot of them. Or if I can, I can kind of picture the movie, but I can't really picture him in it. Right. And then there's this other 25% where it's like, oh, yeah, Army Hammer's in that movie, and he's great. Mm-hmm. Like Social Network, or he's in uh, – Call, uh, not he's in Call Me By Your Name or he's in Sorry to Bother You. Like those where it's like, oh yeah, that's Army Hammer. Like, and he's really great in those movies. In the other one, it's just like, who is he or what's he? What is he in this movie? Lone Rangers falls in that latter category where it's like, who is he? Like, what's he doing here? <laughs> you replace Nicolas Cage in the movie. All of a sudden, you have these two eccentric actors in Nicolas Cage and Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp now working off each other. You have Gore Gavinsky, Davinsky, Gore. Vavinsky, I think is how you pronounce him, who I did I want to say he did the Pirates, the first three Pirates film. Uh, I don't know, like really, Pirates of the Caribbean? Uh, yeah, Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean. I really want to say that's him. So now you have, and, you know, he worked, I'm pretty sure he worked, not directed, but it worked in tangent with some of the National Treasures films. Mm-hmm. And those, they're all done by Jerry Bruckheimer at that yeah. era. So you have someone who knows how to work with Cage well, and you know someone who clearly knows how to work with Depp well. Mm-hmm. And you add this interesting dynamic where all of a sudden, I don't remember the chemistry between Lone Ranger and Tonto, which kind of feels like the main part of the Lone Ranger. It adding, probably means it wasn't very good. Yeah. Adding Nicolas Cage in it, you feel like there is going to be this interesting dynamic mm-hmm. between the two. It's it's sort of the, it sounds like a combination that's similar to uh, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. Yeah, it in, sounds like... Um, in any of their movies. Yeah. They, uh, they had quite a few. They had, they had three. Two or three. Three yeah. or four. They had Stir Crazy. Yes. Stir Crazy uh, was their first one. Stir, no. The first one's Silver Streak. Oh, you're right. Then Silver Stir Streak, Crazy. Silver Streak, Stir Crazy. And then they had that. There's another one that I'm blanking on. And then there's Now You See Me, Now You Don't or whatever. Or uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Yes. That's it. See No Evil, Hear No Evil. So what I do with The Lone Ranger by replacing... Uh, Nicholas Cage in it is I actually think this is one of the movies where we talk about where all of a sudden the movie becomes good because the thing that needs to work in this movie which is the true dynamic all of a sudden I think clicks and as long as those two have good chemistry and the dynamic works all of a sudden I think this movie's way more fun yes. and it becomes successful yeah I, I think so and it definitely becomes more memorable 
Yeah. Because you've got such interesting characters. And I don't remember if Lone Ranger, if it's just the performances that are boring, if it's a contrived story, if it's kind of all those things. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably all those things. If you add that, all of a sudden the dynamic works. Yeah. And I think a dynamic working can really make a bad movie good. Yeah, more tolerable, at least more memorable. Yes, so that's why I replaced him. So that's my number six. You want to jump in with a few? Sure. Um, I'll share some more of the... uh, Bad movies that I've got here. Uh, I, we already talked about Baby Driver. Actually, that's not a bad movie. I'm just looking down yeah. my list here. Um, the Mummy. The 2017 I The Mummy. I came so close. With Tom Cruise. Replace Tom Cruise with Nick Cage. Uh, Tom Cruise is really... I think he chews the scenery quite a bit. I feel like he either wrote or produced that movie, Correct. I think I, he was heavily involved. No, he didn't. I think he was just really heavily involved with the creation of it. And um, he produced it. Oh, he did. He did okay. Produce it. So he had his little fingers in every aspect of it. And there were some really odd decisions made, I guess. Um, I mean, I, this is the film that released a trailer that completely was missing like three tracks of audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it didn't have any background music. There were a few like sound effects that were missing. So there's this hilarious scene in the trailer where all you hear is Tom Cruise's scream. Ah! It's like, yeah, it's like, ah! it's so good. It's, it's so funny. It sounds like a, a cow being branded. It's literally what it was <laughs> one of my favorite memes when it came out. Uh, it's such a, it's such it's a legendary so scream. It's like the Wilhelm scream. Like, that's how much of a legendary scream it yeah, is. Yeah, it's so good. But I think I think with a film like that, I we've seen how Nick Cage can be, I would say, pretty enjoyable in uh, National Treasure. Yeah. Um, which apparently is a 46% audience score or critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Kind of shocking because I think those movies are great. Yeah, which makes me really sad. Yeah, Ben especially loves those. Um, but I, I feel like he could do really well in that role and not make so many, he would rely more on the decisions made by actual writers and then kind of work his own brand of things into it rather than make all these stupid decisions because he wants to be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. I, during the creation, I considered the mummy. I really did. Like that was on my side list. The reason I didn't end up going with it is because Nicolas Cage can have this thing where it's not that he never ever phones in performances, but you can tell that sometimes he does the family friendly movie. Yeah. And it's just like a little bit lazier than some of the other ones or it's yeah. a bigger paycheck. For instance, like Sorcerer's Apprentice mm-hmm. can be that way. Some of these other films, like when he's in the Ant Bully or the, the Croods or like mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's when it gets he a was little Ant Bully? He's yeah, he's the main ant in the boy. In the oh boy. shoot, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But I that's that why I was a so little long. apprehensive. Where I'm just like, is Nick Cage replacing it? And also, we talked about the thing where it's just like sometimes these films take themselves too self serious. Yeah, and that's kind of the whole script of the Mummy. And the issue with the Mummy isn't necessarily Tom Cruise; it's the fact that they're trying to set up this universe yeah the dark universe the dark universe where they're trying to like set up all these monsters and stuff and they're really and trying that to like really well yeah that's why we have so many yeah exactly. all the all the dark universe movies yeah so like, that's that's why i didn't put nick cage in it because i'm like the fundamental problems of the issue aren't really with tom cruise it's with the movie structure itself mm-hmm. so we're it takes itself too seriously yeah the mummy should be f- more fun yeah like brendan fraser's mummies they yeah. they have a they have seriousness in it, but it's definitely a lot more lighthearted. It's kind of just an Indiana Jones ripoff. Right. That's what this film should be, but instead I, it takes itself like yeah, too I prestigious. Felt, I felt in the same way that, um, you know, uh, like a Pierce Brosnan took up the reins for... Um, Bond? Yeah, in Bond, you know, taking the place of like Connery and like yeah. other, other Bonds before him, where it still kind of fit. That's what I felt Nick Cage and Brendan Fraser were like. That's fair. They're, 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 one they're, of, they're not enough. one and the same, but it's mm-hmm. like there is certainly a level of similarity enjoyment that they put into their work. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I like next, that. It's not a bad choice. Like yeah. I said, that's ultimately though why when I was ranking them, I'm just like, 
it's why I'm not putting the mummy mm-hmm. on my list. Uh, next one that I've got, uh, I'll mention this one: Leonard Part Six. Uh, <laughs> I replace Bill Cosby. Oh no! Uh, but he's out of jail. Yeah. So oh can, yeah, he is so he out of jail. Yeah, I, which means that he's totally innocent. Yeah, no, that does please, not. That is not actually not. the Bill view. Bill Cosby's a terrible human being. That is not actually the this, view. That is not the view of uh, Ben and Brand. Yeah, I'm more. I'm more sad about it than anything. That's no, disgusting. I'm. I'm sad that he turned out to be such a piece of crap. Yeah. It's uh, like. Okay, I hate them about to do this joke on air, but do it. it's have you ever seen the whole thing where it's uh Patton Oswald and Norm MacDonald talking about uh Bill Cosby? I don't and, think so. And Patton Oswald's like, Oh yeah, you know, the worst thing about the Cosby is just like the hypocrisy mm-hmm. of the whole situation and <laughs> Norm MacDonald just chimes in and he's like, Really? You think the hypocrisy I thought it was the raping <laughs> I, I, I have heard that. Oh my gosh, great. Norm- Great Norm MacDonald joke is is brilliant. So he's funny. so good. Um, but anyway, so yes. Anyway, I uh, Leonard Part Six. For those of you that don't know this movie, I don't blame you. It's god awful. It's so bad. It's really bad. Um, so it is called Leonard Part Six, but there is no Part One through Five because according to the movie, those parts are classified, which is so dumb and such a contrived idea, and it makes the title of the film so stupid. Um. But I, it's, it's just this, I, it's, that's trying to be like meta, like the hot shots, airplane, naked gun yeah. type humor, but in the laziest form possible. Right. And there's like a little bit of a Dr. Doolittle sort of element in it. And yeah. it's like all of these things just kind of gum, come together to make a you know what it is? dubious it's, at it's best. It's taking the exact joke from Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1. Mm-hmm. But making it so much labor, because the whole joke of history of the world part one is you're like, where's part two? There's right. no part two. Yeah, like, exactly. But it takes that joke, it's the exact same joke, yeah. years later, and it's just not as clever. Yeah, not done Not done as funnily. But there, there are some just insulting scenes in that film, not because they're racy or because they are insensitive. It's just like insulting to the viewer's intelligence. Um, which is so interesting because this film comes out late eighties, right? I say, mm-hmm. which is one Bill and Cosby. everyone was stupid in the eighties. Yeah, so I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which this is like when it should be kind of the height of Cosby's powers. Again, we now have the re- right. the knowledge of retrospect. Yes, which does ruin a lot of that era of the Cosby. Mm-hmm. But in the late eighties, that's Cosby's the star. Cosby is the sitcom right. star. He's, He's the American pop dad. guy. Like, listen, obviously before. The scandal breaks and we learn everything we now know about Cosby. I will say Cosby was one of my favorite comedians of all time. Yeah, I, I agree. But now one of the funniest guys. His books were hysterical. His the show is an all time legend up until mm-hmm. that point. His comedy albums are his funny. His comedy albums are spectacularly right. funny. Now and I, then the it o- just you can't listen to them anymore. Yeah, the They're o- completely ruined. The only uh the only Bill Cosby media I feel comfortable consuming now is Eddie Murphy's impression of Bill Cosby in uh, in his Raw comedy oh, yeah, special, yeah, yeah. which is hilarious. It is really funny. Uh, I also just came up with a joke. We should really start calling uh, him Pill Cosby. Uh, and that's uh, where I'll leave that on Leonard uh, Part 6. I just... Oh, yeah, I didn't even talk about Nick Cage in this. Oh, yeah, where's um, Nick Cage? Well, think, obviously he's Cosby. Yeah, Nick Cage would take the place of Cosby. Um, it makes the same bad movie bad, but at least we can still watch a bad movie. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's the same thing with Kevin Spacey. Well, yeah, where it's a bad movie, but at least you can now put it on again because it's like... Because it is a fun, bad movie to make fun of, but you can't do it anymore because even just seeing Bill Cosby is more just like disgusting than it is exactly like funny anymore. Where it's just like, oh, before you could laugh at it because it's a bad movie. Now you're just like, why? Why is he there? Yeah, like, exactly. Why do I have to look at this horrible man on the screen? <laughs> um, so, and then the last one I'll share for like my bad-ish movies, uh, replace Shia LaBeouf in Transformers. <sighs> I know, I figured that you would give out a big sigh like that. Uh, he, he's not good in those movies. I get no. it. Yeah, I and I think um, I don't know. I don't really have a strong reason for this one. I just kind of want to see Nick Cage take on that role, and I feel like he, Megan Fox. It's Megan Fox in the first like four, right? First two. I feel like Megan. Yeah, first, first two. two. I feel like Megan Fox. Who is very, um, she's kind of 
a little monotone. Okay. I feel. We need to, I need to address it at least. Megan Fox has gone the worst rap in Hollywood. She has gone such an unfair card yeah. in Hollywood. She is so brilliantly talented that it never shows. And the whole career with Michael Bay, what happened with those Transformers films, mm-hmm. the controversy that came out of it with her calling out Michael Bay the way that she did. Mm-hmm. If she had done that eight years later, it does not. she does not get the crap she gets for that movie. Because she goes out, basically says... Uh, Michael Bay is a tyrant on them. He's like yeah. sexualizing women, all this stuff. He like yeah. goes on to, she like goes on like, and Megan know, Fox like is probably like the dictator, most, like working with like Hitler on the set, which is again, a hyperbole, yeah. very wow. bad hyperbole. <laughs> yeah. But it is like, she is saying like, I was not treated right on this set and, and she's, I felt sexualized she's, as a woman. She's one of the most qualified people to say that, I think. Yeah. Because she really did get... She was that Michael Bay, I think, even in Bad Boys 2, where I don't even think she's of age yet. Mm, ooh. Where it's just like... That's a yikes. Where And then you see her in other movies, like Jennifer's Body, where mm. she's done some stuff on New Girl, or she has this mm. new movie where it's this, like, psychological thriller where she's chained to, like, uh, her boyfriend, who I basically believe, like, kills herself and, like, tries to frame her for the murder. Oh. Like, all this stuff. Wow. She is so brilliantly talented... That it never shows because of what those films are. And she only can live with the rap of what yes. those Transformer okay. films then, are. Then I will amend my original statement and say the way she's that not, Megan Fox She's not is, good in those movies. Don't like, don't mistake yes. me for that. I am just saying the crap that she gets for those movies, it's the same way I feel about Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. Where they are both talented actors and actresses, right? In their own they just they spike. got a but very bad. That's their name. They got poorly. Yeah, they got poorly boxed yeah. in. If you ever see Rodden pa- Robert Pattinson in a movie that is not Twilight, Twilight, excellent, excellent actor. Mm-hmm. He kills it in the Lighthouse. He is great in Tenet. I mm-hmm. think he's going to be an amazing Batman when that film comes out. That's right. He's the new Batman. Um, so yeah, I. Uh, as far as Nick Cage and Transformers, I think it would just be a very interesting kind of character change. Yeah, and the one thing that you also have, and I know you haven't watched the movie, but we're going to be watching it, spoiler alert, in a few weeks for Cage Off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Bay directed The Rock, which Nick Cage is in, and it's Michael Bay's best work by far. All right. Like, by far. All right, so I look forward to it. a re-teaming to... of that. See, it's yeah, exactly. Good. So, okay, I have, I made a mistake. Lone Ranger was actually my number seven. So mm-hmm. my number six is going to be the 2013 remake of the 2003 Korean film, which we talked about last B-roll, Old Boy. Old Boy. Where Josh Brolin plays it. Again, I actually enjoy this Spike Lee version of the film, but adding the lunacy of Cage, I think, captures a little bit more of the essence of the original Old mm-hmm. Boy. And it the insanity of the plot. Of the plot. It just feels like a little bit more of a fitting where Josh Brolin is dark and broody and like grim in this, which you need for that. But I think Nick Cage can capture that, but also capture the insanity of a man who's basically been locked up his whole life yes. and isolated for like 18 or 20 years, whatever it is. I already talked about this film last B-roll, so I'm not going to really go into much more depth about it. Wow, we're going long. Yeah, we're going long. (laughs) Okay, then I'm just going to throw out a few real quick that I'm not even going to really give context to. Five, Terminator Salvation. I just replaced Christian Bale in the movie. That movie's so boring already. (laughs) If you had Nicolas Cage fighting robots, still a bad movie, but at least it's Nicolas Cage fighting robots in the Terminator franchise. Something. It's something. It makes that film... (laughs) It it makes the most unmemorable Terminator at least slightly more memorable. Right. Because I think it is by far the worst Terminator film. It has a reason to be remembered. And so that's my number... Oh, okay. And then I'll do this and then we'll go to my top three and then we'll do your top. All right. And we'll end it. My number four is Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them and I replaced Johnny Depp with Nicolas Cage. That's That's a good choice. Here's why. Johnny Depp is, of course, surrounded right now by so much controversy. And you can have... Oh, man, another character who has a bunch of controversy around it. And you can have your opinions on the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard situation. Oh, that's right. It is clearly, like, Mm -hmm. so gray right now that it's hard to exactly determine who's where. Lots of he said, she said. And that's the difficulty. And 
I, in my personal opinion, I think there is probably blame to be put on both sides. Yeah, exactly. In the no one's, no one's it doesn't right. sound like this relationship was healthy on either side. Mm-hmm. Whether An you unhealthy want to ostr- relationship yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. Whether you want town. to ostracize him for it or not, that is your personal opinion, and you're entitled to that. For me, fantastic piece. I love the Harry Potter films. These films don't quite hit the mark. But one of the huge issues right now is Johnny Depp is literally being replaced in the third film by Mads Mikkelsen. Mm-hmm. to replace him get nicholas cage started off and end the franchise like with them it gives that character a little bit more ground and johnny tepp is so monotone in the second fantastic mm-hmm. beast film that that's something that nicholas cage i think is so incapable of as being monotone mm-hmm. that i think it adds another breath of life to this franchise and again mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily deal with the fundamental flaws of the fantastic four Oh, sorry, Fantastic Beast film. That, well, are, Fantastic Four yeah. has some fundamental flaws, too. Which there are fundamental issues with these Fantastic it, it, Beast it movies. It feels like a sideshow because it is. Yeah, it's like it's it's trying to do too much in too little of time, and it's trying to expand these universes in kind of uninteresting ways. Yeah. And J.K. Rowling really needs to step aside and let a real screenwriter handle these and just kind of give the story plot to yeah. it to kind of give, like, this is what I want the story as, to As hit. much as but I, I love hearing about how... Wizards used to disapparate their crap in the woods. Yeah, it's just there's so much where it's just like she, she, she clearly doesn't do screenwriting particularly well. Right. At least let, as of right now, let someone else help you build let your universe. Do, let you do you do the story. Let someone else write it for film. Yes, it's basically mm-hmm. write a book if you really yeah, want to. It's People a, would it's die a job. if you wrote a Fantastic Beast like novel series yeah. in the detail that you clearly mm-hmm. want to. In but, fact, we just we just watched a film adaptation is about a screenwriter adapting a book. Yeah. It's a job. <laughs> yeah. So I'll leave my top three till the end. All and right. And Branson, I'll let you do it, and then we can kind of just go for a top three. Okay. Um, so top. so the ones that I've got, uh, I these are kind of a loose top three uh, in ascending order. Uh, now you see me, I would replace no. Mark I would replace Mark Ruffalo. This is not because Mark Ruffalo gives a bad performance. I think he gives a very good gruff cop, but he's also kind of the the sneak behind the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think Nick Cage. Um, it, it would just be. I feel like it would just be interesting to see. Is kind of what I've been saying for all of these films, but um, you know, I I just want to see what he would do with that role. I feel like it would be fairly similar, but I feel like we would get a little bit more mania behind it. Um, and you could kind of see it, it would be a little clearer, you know, the whole genius of, of everything. Yeah. Uh, like the whole plan of, of whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then my, my number two, uh, I have Batman V Superman and I would replace Jesse Eisenberg. Again, Jesse Eisenberg is not bad in this movie. You know my feelings on Jesse Eisenberg in this movie where I actually quite love him in yeah. this role. Yeah, I, he's not bad, and he gets better as the movie goes on. Yes, he's very menacing towards the second half of the film. Yes, and... Um, the red capes are coming, the red capes are coming. Yes, uh, he's, he has... I think Jesse Eisenberg, just as an actor, one of the... I guess one of the qualities that he has, and this can be a talent, I think it's a talent in most films that he's in, uh, he's got like this timid, tepid nature about him. Uh, and, you know, as a villain that's as legendary as Lex Luthor, you know, the tepidness, I, it just, I don't feel like it fits, and I'm not one f- to read the comic book, so I don't know, but the, the few comics that I have seen of Superman and Lex Luthor Lex Luthor's pretty scary. He's more like Kingpin. In the he's sense a little that bit more maniacal and political. Yes. In his he, where he's a little bit more of that career politician. Right. He has he has so much like of a corruption that's so beneath this very he's kind so exterior. Suave. Yeah, he's yes, he's very suave. He's got this um demeanor to him. And I think in this film the in Batman v Superman, he is very neurotic and he's very crazy. Um, and you don't really see the crazy. You just see neurotic and the paranoia. You don't see crazy until way late. And I think if Nick Cage were to be Lex Luthor, you would see the craziness behind the paranoia. You'd see like the other side of that coin so much earlier. Yeah. And it would, 
I feel like it would generate a lot more fear of what is this guy going to do mm. later. I mean, I talked about in our Batman v Superman episode, I talked about how awesome the courthouse bombing scene was yeah. until Superman flies away, which is just stupid and not what he would do at all. Um, Makes him look so guilty in that you, scene. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I yeah, well, I, go listen to that episode if you want to hear us argue. Um, it's but, really one of the few films where we argue. Yeah, it is. Um, but I that scene would have been so much scarier if you had had that basis of like this guy's crazy, like the maniacal crazy, not just paranoia crazy. I don't know what he's gonna do. Yeah. What's okay. his plan? So I'm actually going to jump in right now because yes. I have another pick from the DC uh, films. As your number one? No, it's my number three. And oh. then we'll do my last two really quick. Okay. But my number three is Superman Returns where he plays Superman. Now, there's this uh, script from the 1990s called Superman Lives that's supposed to be directed by Tim Burton, written by Kevin Smith. Uh, eventually gets a documentary made by the late great John Schnepp called The Death of Superman Lives What Happened where it explores what like this Superman film would have looked like it would have been mm -hmm. a really weird film Tim Burton Tim Burton because remember he did the Batman film so the rumor yeah. was also that Michael Keaton was supposed to come back and reprise his role as Batman in this film the reason I replaced Nicolas Cage as Superman in this film Superman Returns is because this film is so boring <laughs> and doesn't do anything that at least now I would have gone to see what that Nicolas Cage Superman looks like. Again, we're not necessarily talking about a film that would have necessarily been better with him. In fact, I don't even know if it would have been better. In fact, I'd probably bet that it wouldn't have. But at least it's now that idea explored. Like we at least get to see what the manifestation of a Nicolas Cage as a Superman character would mm -hmm. look like and all the lunacy that comes with it. And I feel like he could I feel like he could be a good Superman. Yeah, and he's always talked about Superman. He's a huge comic book fan, and he's mm -hmm. like Superman is his so like, he would favorite. So he one. would do the role justice. Yeah, he, he has, would do the like, role justice. He owned League. Action Comics. Oh my God. He owned <laughs> Action Comics number one, which is the first appearance of Superman, wow. which was like, you know, that was one of his prized possessions. He that's, loves uh, comic books. He has a ghostwriter tattoo. Mm -hmm. Like, he's obviously clearly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ghostwriter is, yeah, a, is a comic, comic book movie. He too. clearly likes the superhero genre. So I think at least it would have been something special to see him playing probably his favorite superhero, even yeah. if the film's not better for it. My number two, and then we'll kind of do our one at our top a piece. Mm -hmm. My number two is that Adam Sandler film that I talked about, and it's Jack and Jill. <laughs> this movie is so terrible. I almost Jack I was considering Jack and Jill. It's so bad of a movie that is so unenjoyable, but at least adding Nicolas Cage, it becomes it's still the same level of joke, but at least you don't get to see Nicolas Cage going that broad of comedy. Uh, we've seen him play dual roles, which films we've already talked about in mm -hmm. Adaptation uh, Face Off. And we've seen him do comedy, but we don't see him go this type of comedy. Right. So again, Jack and Jill is such... straight up irreverent. Yeah. Jack and Jill is so bad, but a lot of that is due to how annoying the character of Jill is yeah. in Jack and Jill. That all of a sudden you replace Nick Cage, maybe he's less annoying in the film and the jokes kind of hit a little bit more because you're just not irritated every time this character's on screen. Yeah. And it's I, a little Jill, bit more entertaining to see Nicolas Cage play with. Now, I, recall, I recall Jill kind of having a voice... Which, you want to I play mean, sister with your or twister with your sister? Yeah, it's sort of like Linda it's, Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers, yeah, but so on like grating. a new like tier of. But of not grating. done for comedic purposes. It's just right. done to be annoying. It is simply right. there to be annoying. So Adam Sandler why, doing an annoying voice yeah. to be annoying. Yeah, so that's why it makes a list. Wow. And I'm so proud of my number one, but I'll let you go in first. All right. Uh, my number one. This is yet another one where I would not replace it because it's a bad role. But I feel that Nicolas Cage is the perfect subject to do a, a film like this. Okay. And that is John Malkovich in Being John Malkovich. Interesting. You're going the Kaufman route. Yes. Again. Now... I, John Malkovich is such an interesting character. He's such a good character actor. He, yeah, he's great. Um, I, his performance in Red, I particularly I, enjoy. I don't know why I love that movie so much, but I think he's excellent in that film. It's really entertaining. So it's really entertaining. He's because he's zany. Yeah. Um, and Nick Cage has that same sort of idea, and they're they're larger than life in such on brand, in personal on brand. Mm -hmm manners yeah and um i i just 
I wouldn't even, I don't even want to say being John Malkovich would be replaced. It would just be another film in the same sort of like this weird anthology semi, uh, you're almost pitching something where it's like you want being John Malkovich to exist the way it does. Right. But, but now you want to see have... like how would it have been done if instead of John Malkovich, it is Nicolas Cage getting inside the mind of John Malkovich being John Malkovich. <laughs> no, no, no. Or... I almost no, almost like a um another another example that is great. I'll get to it and you'll probably enjoy this. Okay. Uh so being John Malkovich is like a, a series in this and Nicolas Cage could be the second one and maybe the third one is being Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. They all three of those guys are such unique. amazing yeah, they're such unique characters. Oh. They've got such great mannerisms and great So are you repl- let me understand this. Are you replacing you're not replacing being John Malkovich. You're almost making a sequel called Being Nicolas Cage. Right. Right. Not yeah, not a sequel, but just like a almost a not even a spin-off. I don't I don't know what you would you even call it. You want to literally just take the story of Being John Malkovich yeah. but put it in the perspective of Nick Cage yeah, instead of it. Yeah, it's almost Malkovich. it's almost like a what would you call would you call it's Being John Malkovich like a mockumentary or like it a It is a Comedy drama, comedy drama, mockumentary slash satire. Yeah, it, which is such a, a unique satire idea. Would probably be the closest. Yeah, description. Y- of which it. is such a unique idea, and with such unique characters like God, Nick Charlie Cage Kaufman and Jeff and crap. Jeff Goldblum. I that you don't would... realize how brilliant Charlie Kaufman is until you start thinking about those films he's done. Yeah, adaptation. Being John Malkovich. Yeah, I know. Uh, Adaptation her, has made me really interested in looking deeper if into you haven't Charlie seen it, Kaufman's. We'll talk about it sometime on the show because it's one of my favorite movies. Her? No, or? not her. Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless, Spotless Mind. Mind. Excellent movie. Right. Excellently beautiful I don't think movie. I've seen that one. but yeah, So I, good. I definitely want to look into more of Charlie Kaufman. That's, so. a, that's an interesting pitch. Yeah, like, ben, that's it almost you... breaks the rules because you're not <laughs> really replacing it, but you're almost like spinning it off. But it's yeah. so interesting that I'm going to I want to replace it. it, but I also want them to coexist yeah, and you're be really friends. I want, those a... mo- I want the real John Malkovich movie. And the fake... You're really doing an anthology Cage. like... I want those two things to be friends. Yeah. So, Ben... I, I like it. That's my that's my final answer. So you're that's ready the for only my one that I've one? rated. Yes. What is your final answer? My final one is you think about movies that I quite enjoy, but maybe either they didn't get the success they deserve, maybe they didn't quite get the love, maybe they just like fell under the radar, maybe people just think there's something inherently boring about this film or stupid about this film. And I'm like, what if we took this film added Nick Cage in it and really embraced the tone of what the original source material is and what that film would capture. And it is a 2012 uh, film based on a novel by Seth. I'm, I can't remember his name, so uh, I'm not even going to bother it. Maybe Seth Green? No, not Seth Green. Oh. But it is based on a 2010 book, and it is called Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. <laughs> oh, that would be dope. I unironically love the movie it is so out there fun and crazy but it doesn't get the respect or love it deserves because when you hear it it feels it like sounds goofy it sounds dumb it's like pride prejudice the, and zombies but the thing that you don't understand about the movie is it understands what it is it's right. not trying to make this like classic cinema or amazing it is literally trying to be abraham lincoln vampire hunter That's such a a bizarre idea, but I can kind of see it working. And the reason I replaced Nick Cage in this film is because I think as Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln, I think the exact second you see Nicolas Cage on the poster as Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, you understand what this film is before. It's like, what is this film actually trying to be? Is it a horror? Is it a comedy? Is it an action film? When you put Nicolas Cage, you instantly understand what type of movie this is supposed to be. Which is a, which is an interesting observation because Nick Cage is such a great poster boy. He as is. soon as you see him, you know what you're going to you get. You know what the theme and... It's uh, going to be fun. It will make you laugh both with the movie and at the movie. Yeah. You know it it's going to be action-packed. now what it is. Yeah, and That's it un- what it yes. totally does. And by it has its identity. Him, uh, this actor uh, who I want to pull up real quick because again I actually quite like him in the movie I actually think he is a good 
Abraham Lincoln in the movie, and I think he embraces it pretty well. His name's Benjamin Walker. Uh, and it's written by uh, Seth Graham Smith, who okay. wrote the book. And like I said, you replace it, and I think automatically you just capture more of what this film's tone is, and I think it's just more in line to what the source material is, and it adds this fun to Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. And all of a sudden, I don't think it becomes kind of this underappreciated action film that is inherently goofy. All of a sudden, I think it becomes kind of this cult action comedy that people really understand what it is, where it's really going to have this audience that is like, this works because I know, I feel like I'm in with the film's humor. Yeah, okay. Because that's what it is. This film is inherently silly and they embrace the silliness of yeah. this film it's, a, it's not a comedy necessarily but it is a comedic idea yeah it's goofy. in a cosmic sense it yeah. is very funny so that's my number one that's I love the it. list we went long but that's this the episode is our, this is our episode really for the week like yeah this has been a brand see a movie we'll be back next week where we already tease the movies but since we were supposed to do them i'll just reveal what they are next week we're doing vampires kissing ghost rider Yes. So look forward to that. Look forward to that. Follow us on Instagram. I'm at the Beniverse. He's at Bind Media. Follow me on Twitter. Follow my YouTube channel. Uh, Check out his website at bendofthemovies.com. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, If you guys have any suggestions for Cage Off, feel free to message us on any of those social medias. Uh, And we're always willing. And if you want to, heck, if you want to be a guest or just call in for that episode, let us know and we can see if we can incorporate you. Yeah, we'll do it. We're trying to make this as fun and interactive as we can. Yeah, so, we, we want to hear from you, yes, our viewers. Our and viewers. we don't just say that like Mosh Mojo does. Yeah. They don't read the comments. Yeah, Who we, cares? We read everything. We read everything. So thank you guys. So don't Take be care mean. and have a good week. Branson, I'll talk to you in a few weeks. Godspeed. See you.